With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, this is Michael Adams on The Truth. <clears throat> Excuse me. It is May the 3rd, 2015. We're going to play a couple of videos, at least the audio part of it. You'll be glad that uh, you're not watching the the visual, unless you like watching 50-year-old men having sex with young women and all that, but <laughs> you'll find out what I'm talking about here. I title this The Source Family, How Cults Like the uh, LDS, SDA, uh, uh, JWs, and, uh, and others formed Start it, get started, that's how I said it. Anyways, <clears throat> who are the Source family? Let's look into that, but just a little bit, not much. <clears throat> this is a little introduction, not the best source of getting complete information, but uh, a rough sketch. Of course, we go to Wikipedia. Uh, source family, now... There's a documentary that was created in 2012 uh, by Jody Wiley and Mary uh, uh, Domopoulos, something like that. Anyways, it recounts the story of Father Yod, Yahuwah, 13, and Source Family. This film was, okay, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Anyways, this is uh, something that you could see on, was it Hulu, Hulu.com. Got to be at least of age to watch it because there is some pornographic stuff in it. <clears throat> so let's go back here, uh, the family, the source family. Um... Yes, Father Yod. Forward to Father Yod. Otherwise known as James or Jim Baker. James Edward Baker was an American owner of one of the country's first health food restaurants on Sister Strip in LA, in L.A. He founded the spiritual commune in Hollywood Hills known as the Source Family. He was also lead singer of the commune experimental cycle. Psych- Adelic rock band Yahoo 13. And of course, we have to come from my state. There seems to be a lot of weirdos that come from my state. Maybe I'm one of them too. Um, Jay Z was born in, of course, Cincinnati, Ohio. Earned Silver Star in the U.S. Marines, World War II, and became an expert in Jiu Jitsu. He moved to California and became a Hollywood stuntman, and was uh, influenced by Nature Boys, a Los Angeles-based group of beats 
who lived on a natural lifestyle, maintained vegetarian diets, and lived according to natural laws. Baker also studied philosophy, religion, and esoteric spiritual teachings, even becoming a Vedantic, or Vedantic, excuse me, Vedantic uh, month for a time, a month for a time, excuse me. He later became a follower of Yogi Bhajan, like that, a Sikh spiritual leader and teacher of the Kundalini Yoga. Ninety six nine, Baker founded the Source Restaurant uh, on L.A. Sunstrip. Strip. The restaurant served organic vegetarian food with such celebrities, regulars as John Lennon, Julie Christie, and Marlon Brando. Isn't this interesting? <clears throat> and you, when we listen to this, just visualize Marlon Brando and um, the Apocalypse Now, the guy out there in the middle of uh, nowhere becoming some cult guru of all these people. And this is how this guy did in the middle of Los Angeles. <laughs> I would not be surprised for a moment that the Apocalypse Now was in some way influenced by Jim Baker's experience and Marlon Brando's experience with Jim Baker. I'm sure there was a connection there. Although I don't, I've not uh, identified it or went out of my way to find it, but if Marlon Brando was a regular guest at the um, Yodis or Yodes um, restaurant, the Source restaurant, um, I'm sure he came in contact with him because everybody else did too. <clears throat> I'm sure he ended up missing this they said. Anyways, this uh, this man who claims himself to, he, he, that he was uh, Yahuwah. Uh, had a, a, quite a following. And why did I connect uh, LDS Seventh-day Adventist and um, Jehovah Witnesses? When you look at these leaders of these cults and a leadership of these cults and how they start out, this is a very interesting case study. And I, well, I definitely we look at Jehovah Joseph Smith and others. They had multiple wives. You've heard all sorts of stories from how many Joseph Smith's wives he's had, anywhere from a 13-year-old girl on up, and as many as two to four dozen wives, quote-unquote wives. Uh, we'd look at the leadership of uh, the Seventh-day Adventists and how they were clearly under the control of the Jesuits and uh, uh, Freemasonry. Who knows what they were doing behind your back? They never did get into the details, did they? One thing is for certain, this type of power goes to a person's head. Uh, Russell wasn't all that much better. It turns out he was kind of a snaky, shady character. And then we look at so many other ones. Then we also look at the papacy. Probably should have put the papacy in there too, shouldn't I? Look at how the perversions that go on in the priest class in the Roman Catholic Church. All these cults at the hierarchies you see just countless, countless examples of how they abuse their authority and other people. Um, clearly, these men and women are not guided by the true living God. And um, 
I think it's important that we learn about this because, you know, it's going on today all around the world. In particular, we see it these Catholic priests uh, who, you know, end up you know, violating hundreds, scores at least, of young boys and girls and others abusing their power. And why is it that we end up idolizing and worshiping these people? Uh, I think this video is a good example of explaining why. Many of us come from dysfunctional, imperfect homes, and because we don't know God and we don't know the love of God, we search for love elsewhere, out, out, uh, other sources. And these guru figures, like Jim Baker, or Joseph Smith, or Brigham Young, or the many countless uh, uh, Jesuits and, and priests, um, people are desperate for meaning, belonging, and a enslaved world that we live in, and a fallen world we live in, and how easy we are, especially in our youth, and even later on in life as well, to be manipulated in order to feeling like we belong, that we are loved, that we are part of something. And it's very difficult for us, it seems, to just put our faith in the fact that God loves us. The true and living God. And because he's not right in front of us like a man or a woman, we have a tendency to... Uh, I believe, right? Um, anyways, uh, it's interesting here, too, with the Source family. You can see a lot of their uh, practices that come from not only Western uh, mysticism, but also Eastern mysticism. And you can also see now that influencing or infiltrating into the uh, postmodern church and other churches as well as people desperately try to find more meaning in their lives and a prison that we've created where most of us, unfortunately, are staring, including myself, either at a television or the computer, uh, at a box. Um, and we have, uh, most of us, and it's been that way for many, 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 many years, have lost any sense of true, what true community is. Now, I know that's a red flag word, community. The problem is the community that I'm talking about is not the same thing as what communism or communitarianism. I'm talking about where you uh, know your neighbors, your friends with your neighbors, people who are outside playing, uh, having barbecues, having block parties, you know, doing the things that people did for, you know, quite a long time. Uh, had uh, festivals and uh, parties and get-togethers, and people got to know each other. Community. <clears throat> we helped each other out, supported each other, uh, knew each other. And let's face it, we live in a country and a world today, uh, especially with the uh, United States and many others, uh, where, you know, it's just a rarity. Many of us are extremely isolated, and that was deliberate. And so we see these young folks, and I've seen it myself growing up with uh, the punk movement or then with the Grateful Dead kind of uh, 
uh, trying to attempt a, a revival of the, uh, I don't even say that the Deadhead movie, type, movie kind of thing. I remember when I was a young man, I belonged to a band called The Rivermen, and it was quite popular in Northwest Ohio when we uh, played a lot of Grateful Dead cover songs and you know that kind of thing. And there would be a lot of uh, the Deadheads and that kind of these kind of. Uh, wannabe hippies would always show up at our gigs and we'd have hundreds of people showed up at these gigs too. Um, And it was quite, it was, ah, it was a misexperience. Some people got more of it than I did. I I personally couldn't stand playing all those cover songs. Was never a great big fan of the Grateful Dead. Um, Of course, played a lot of other ones uh, that were popular in the, late 60s, early 70s. Um, but, you know, the thing was that I didn't really dig it. It was because I don't know. Maybe I was one of those people who was looking for, yearning for something more and I just saw the pettiness of it all and the contrivance of it all and how guys were talented people were just basically exploiting the system, you know, the, the situation, I should say, not the system, the situation. Basically, they get some attention, maybe get laid drugs, that kind of thing, you know, <laughs> half the band didn't believe in it, <laughs> what they were doing, they were just doing it because, hey, it was a chance to play music and pension and all that other nonsense, but, um, yeah, yeah, that's the way it was, yeah, anyways, when I look at someone like Joseph Smith and how did he end up having all these multiple wives and how did he it was made, manage to influence married men to just hand over their wives? And uh, I think that there was there a big connection. And I would not be surprised, and then of course they would say otherwise, but I would not be surprised if Ganja was involved in some kind of drugs. Somebody had to be on something. <laughs> I didn't follow these people. Uh, although, I, you know, maybe not so. I mean, I, again, I was a member of the Mormon Church. I grew up that. And then so uh, it was, uh, why did I do it? Well, I did it uh, being indoctrinated. I didn't know any better. I, there was nothing else really given to me. And I had enough com- com- uh, common sense to look at anything, any other options. You know, you're too busy going to school and girlfriends and sports and music and all that kind of stuff. You know, it was punker and all that. In the 80s, they had a thing called straight-edge punk. You know, it was a straight-edge punk band. So, I mean, they never really... Nobody did drugs and alcohol, at least not in front of each other, at least. <laughs> not in front of other people, so... Anyways... I, will, I think this is very interesting. I hope we can get something out of it. And then if we still have enough time, we'll then listen to... Um, what is the other thing? Is There's another documentary that goes along with this other one. The first one is called The, the Source Family. That's the name of the documentary. <clears throat> and then we'll probably listen to... We have time. The uh, Revisited. The Revisiting Father... And the Source Family cult leader, Jim Baker. And uh, this young man did a pretty halfway... He did a, he did a halfway decent job as far as his little 
video that he did in his resource research. And um, I don't know if he's even a young man anymore, but uh, then again, maybe it just came out recently too. I'm not sure what the date is on that one. So uh, should be interesting, folks. Very interesting if you read between the lines. Um, music is very interesting that came out of the the Source family. Uh, uh, kind of very much a cult classic of um, like the acid music scene. And um, I know, I'm probably not saying it quite right, but uh, that's how I associate it with. That's what I associate it with. So, And uh, those guys pumped out a lot of albums. 65 of them out of their little studio. And um, <clears throat> I don't know, when I was in the project called Uba Tuba, we did stuff like that too. We pumped out a lot of albums and were always rec- recording and writing songs. And we were just a three piece band, but I can see it is, it, at the time I saw it, I felt it as a very spiritual experience. It was very, you know, uh, unifying and, and, Exciting time for a young man, you know, with the two other musicians to be writing your own music, jamming, and having that connection for two to three hours at a time, and just going at it and um, kind of, you know, feeding off each other's music and energy and all that kind of thing. So I don't want to sound like too much of a new ager, but that's one of the things too is why I want to talk about this and share it as well as why I find this awakening thing that's coming out of the. Uh, whether the truth or movement and all this different um, <clears throat> YouTube channels and groups and all that is it, this awakening thing. First of all, it's like come straight out of uh, Eastern mysticism and, uh, and the family here, the source family is really using all these same symbolisms that uh, we see in the occult, we see in, um, you know, <laughs> Uh, and of course, now this is in the '70s now, in late '60s, early '70s. So um, I don't even know if there's there might be still around too, in some form or another. But you just, but my hunch is is that a lot of these other cults that end up being propped up and sustained start out something like this, and then slowly through time, the more serious ones stay. The rest of those who who are not interested, who you know, are violated by the group leave and wake up and then, then these groups start to you know as they formulate their own doctrine dogma theology write it down and um start creating their organized religion that expands and blossoms out um i think there's a lot of, there's there is a big connection between uh, groups occults like uh the Source family and older cults that it's being propped up by the Jesuits and Freemasonry and society at large. There are strong correlations. Why do why do some groups survive and and other and most perish? Why do some are why are some propped it up and others are you know just squashed? Um, it's an interesting question. Um, and someone like myself who's been affected by organized religion uh, that's definitely a big big question for me and then also I look at the fact that when I was a new ager and the, yeah, 
uh, part of that uh, metaphysical, quote-unquote metaphysical Christian uh, church called U- the Unity Church. And they're teaching all this New Age nonsense, the Luciferian doctrine, which I had no idea at the time. Now I do for the study. I had no, I had no, I had, didn't even have enough common sense to, to research first before joining any of I just saw other of my kind of... Um, uh, you know the, the big names in, the, in AA being part of this church, <laughs> well-established names, people that, uh, that several, a couple of them were actually uh, supposed close friends to Bill Wilson. That you know they're doing this, and why shouldn't I? I mean, I didn't, I didn't know better. So, and I look back now, and I look at the like Unity Church, how this is blending of this New Age. Mm, blend of uh, Western and Eastern mysticism with like a sex cult thing like the, the source family and 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 how that uh, and Christianity blending it together one of the first things that of course it turns into something like uh, a more organized religion that turns into something like uh, this establishes itself like the uh, unity church and then you see those same principles then going into a lot of the or quote unquote mainstream, uh, they like to call themselves Protestant churches, or the uh, Pentecostal movement, or all these these guys that do all these wacky faith healing, or like the Benny Hens of the world, or all the other guys, you know, are those the ones that have the, the, the drumming and the, the rock bands and all that while they they talk about Jesus and all that. And it's interesting to see this one guy. He doing pretty much the same thing, uh, talking about Jesus and all this, and then slowly getting into more of the occult thing, and then getting into sex magic and white and black magic. It's all the same thing. It's all Luciferianism. So, and watching this man change through time, uh, becoming basically perverted, wanting to have sex with all these young women. I mean, young like underage, and. Um, like Joseph Smith did, and um, impregnating him. Uh, and I think at one time he ended up having like 13 quote-unquote wives. Um, insanity. Absolute insanity. Uh, one of the great dangers of allowing a man or a group of men and women to be quote-unquote above you as far as the priest class of the laity Hawaii is so dangerous that we follow men, any man, um, that we should learn to exercise the ability of critical thinking and to ask the serious questions. And if you're not allowed to ask the questions, ask yourself why and um, make your your decisions. As for me, that's always been something that's always driven in the end, it's driven me away from all groups that have ever joined. I started asking questions that were uncomfortable. So, I guess uh, the only good thing is as time goes on, as I get older, those questions come sooner. And um, I so I don't stay in the mess as long as I used to. So, it's kind of like these guys, you know, the. Yeah, like another part of aspect of my life, you know, being married for 12 years to a person I never should have been married to. And then the next relation was five years, and the next one was two and a half years, and now I'm getting to a point where, you know, I've wised myself up and said, you know what, maybe this time around, instead of just choosing the very first thing that comes along, that I uh, 
developed, you know, my relationship with uh, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, my Father, and uh, the truth, and really, you know, pull myself up on what I believe and who, who I am, and then if somebody does come around again, well, you know what? Now they know who I am, and so I can save them and myself and the, the time and aggravation. So, <laughs> not that I'm even interested in being there. at this point at seventy uh, seventy at forty seven years of age. I have enough on my plate as it is. But regardless of that, I think this is very important. I'm not trying to sell the source family. I don't think I don't agreeing with what they're doing. But I do think it's important for people to understand what's going on because, quite frankly, things like the Source family happen all over the place. Most of the time, they're not as large as the Source family where they have hundreds of members. Usually, it's just a half a dozen young people that just get together and screw each other's lives up. Don't need to have hundreds, but um, yeah, let's check it out. And also, because I have a headache, so I don't really want to read right now. <laughs> so, let's see what happens here. And, uh, hopefully, this plays. We don't have any technical difficulties. Once again, the Source family, the video that came out in uh, 2013.
something, it was there. And you were there with the most beautiful young women in the world. It was truly utopian. It was like we were spoiled. We had this super rich father that was the smartest guy in the world, the strongest guy in the world, the most benevolent guy in the world, and he totally loved us. It was like being in this dream. interesting game in town. Uh, there's no question about that. If you wanted to create a sort of archetype of the ultimate early 70s Southern California spiritual cult, you could do no better than the Source family. It was almost like a surreal expression of all these peculiar currents that were in this particular time and place, health food, a mixture of Eastern and Western mysticism, a kind of high hedonic style. They transformed sex, drugs, and rock and roll into a genuine religious formation. In the family, I was known as Omni the Aquarian. My name's Damien Paul, also known as Yehoah number three. My name is Zinru, the family. My name is Harvest Moon Aquarian. My name is Octavius Aquarian. I'm Jin Aquarian. And I was named Orbit. Orbit the Aquarian. Gosh, you got such a great name, and I got a dorky name, Orbit. I was known as Galaxy in the family. I'm Electricity Aquarian. I'm Aishis Aquarian. So that's my energy more than Shining Peters. I was Magus the Aquarian in the Source family. very curious person. Anything that seemed interesting to me, I pursued. It was 1965, and I was at Harvard. It was a pretty phenomenal time. Tim Leary and Dick Alpert, who became Baba Ramdas, were two of my professors there. I was interested in experimentations. And I actually wound up getting kicked out of there the following year. At the time, there was the anti-Vietnam movement, 
there was a civil rights movement, and I was starting to get interested in the spiritual movement. I bought this book called Spiritual Communities of the Southwestern United States. One of them turned out was where Ram Dass had wound up, and there was the 3HO, which was Yogi Bhajan, and I got turned on to Swami Satchidananda. It was like being on this magical ride of going from place to place and meeting person after person. And we drove out to California. And we stopped at this place called the Source Restaurant, which was supposed to be the big happening restaurant in Los Angeles. There were all these beautiful young women that surrounded us. And they said, well, now you have to come and you have to meet Father. I climbed up this ladder into the attic of the Source Restaurant, and uh, down at the end of this long room was this guy. He just looked like the ultimate guru, father figure. And the only thing that I could think of is that if you're in front of a guru, you kiss their feet. And so I bent over and I kissed his toes. And he looked down at me and he said, far fucking out. Just one look at you and I can see. And he said, you are my son and I am your father. And I said, yes. But you never cried just for yourself. You were looking out for someone else. And now you're The source was not just spiritual pursuit. It was a lot of young kids who needed a father and a discipline and an example. And boy, was he. Kick anybody's ass. He was a millionaire multiple times. He shot airplanes out of the sky. He killed people. Father left when he was a baby. And so he looked upon my father for guidance. And my father was Paul Bragg, the originator of cell food stores. And dad and he, they would go hiking. They talked everything over. And my father was so proud of Jim Baker. He was an extraordinary kid. At the age of 12, he was named America's Strongest Boy. He was a judo champion. He had lived through World War II. He had done hand-to-hand combat. He was 6'4", so 
charisma, the women, oh, the women, did they love it. Jim Baker was a legend in Hollywood in the restaurant business. He had opened the Aware Inn restaurant on Sunset Boulevard, which was one of the first natural food restaurants in the United States. He had the Discovery Inn in Topanga. He opened up the Old World Restaurant, which became a very successful chain. Well, I was at the Old World. I worked there as the manager during the time that uh, Jim had gone to jail. The technology in Schwab Intelligent Portfolios is so amazing. It's like hiring a super smart financial machine and not being charged. Say hello at intelligent.schwab.com. Jim had a background as a killer. There were news clippings that he had to actually kill two guys with his bare hands. He knew violence. He knew the dark side of humanity. In 1963, he got into another problem. It was with a TV actress and her wealthy husband. Jim dispatched him with two karate chops to the throat and a bullet to the head. Father told us everything about his life, no matter how ugly. He told us all about the bank robberies that funded the wherein and the source. We think he robbed anywhere between two and eleven banks. The music, the whole hippie lifestyle kicked in. Jim ended up meeting a French girl named Dora. He started doing acid, there was marijuana, and he lost a lot of his control. Can you imagine when Jim Baker fell in love at the age of 43 with that little hippie, 19 years old, what it did to his head? I wanted to know, what's going on with these flower children? And there I was, miserable, alcoholic, <laughs> lots of money, bored to death with it all. Jim did end up doing a lot of speed in those days with black beauties, and he wouldn't sleep for days. Jim would come in at night, empty the cash registers, and they had no money to open up in the morning. And it just spiraled completely out of control at that point. The investors stepped in, and they axed him right out of his own restaurant. And I think that what he did was to say, I have to do something with my life. He started to think about how he could better himself. On April 1st, 1969, he opened up the Source Restaurant. It was a vegetarian restaurant on Sunset Boulevard, which became very successful. Good food, food for the hungry 
The Source Restaurant was one of the first health food restaurants in the country, and at one time it was written up in the trade magazines as making more money per square foot than any restaurant in the country. And they had the best salads ever. I mean, that was incredible food, and all the people were, like, gorgeous. You could be in there, and there was Goldie Hawn. It's like, okay, whatever. Although we were very aware that she was sitting there eating her Joni Mitchell. I can remember Steve McQueen coming in one morning, and he said, oh, you're not open yet. I said, well, you can go in the kitchen and make yourself a sandwich. And I sat at a table with them because I wanted to ask them questions about Jim Baker because they were good buddies. I remember all the guys from the group Yes pulling up into the parking lot in five separate limousines. John Lennon coming in two nights in a row, and I brought them out two high-protein salads and two high-protein drinks with orange juice. I'm going to have the alfalfa sprouts and uh, a plate of mashed yeast. have from the mid-60s on this kind of unraveling of conventional social modes. You have psychedelics entering in and rewriting people's minds. All of the political tensions of the time lead to this explosive Dionysian energy. Leads to a lot of very puzzled, very confused, very lost people. When you hit the early 70s, and indeed things are starting to spiral down the toilet, People start searching big time, which is why so many people turn to intense forms of religious and spiritual practice. To some, the new spiritual influence from the East is a threatening intrusion. They are alarmed when their children announce their way of life and follow teachings which seem so alien. Could they have been brainwashed? It's no accident that the Source family grows out of the Source restaurant, this experiment in healthy, organic living. That kind of lifestyle carried with it a life of more clarity and more pleasure and more healing. I realized that I had to change my lifestyle because I was going to die if I didn't, just like so many casualties in the 60s. I was on the road for about five years with a band called The the Fields, working with The Doors and Led Zeppelin. I found myself pretty burnt out. I decided to quit the band and devote myself to getting healthy and doing yoga and go to work at the Source Restaurant. A lot of the children off the Sunset Strip when they came, they were very young. They were underage, you know, and but it was just the way, it was the nature of the times. 
My name is Nancy Hirsch, and I was heaven. I was 12 years old and living in Los Angeles, and I would sneak out after school and I'd just go to the source and work. Jim Baker was a bigger-than-life man, charismatic, and him and Robin were husband and wife, so I was mesmerized by their energy together. Robin was 19 years old at the time, just absolutely incredibly beautiful spiritual soul. My name is Robin Baker, and I was mother um, in the family. I never experienced love in my life like I did with Jim Baker. I never knew that anybody could possibly love a person like that. He opened me up to a world that was filled with light and love and protection and consciousness. Robin lived in my building. Her mother and my mother were friends. Robin was always sick and she almost died. But then when she met Jim Baker, he saved her life. He put her on a really good diet, and she was really doing well. He was my knight in shining armor. And he told me everything about himself, about his violent nature and how he'd become spiritual and how this had saved him and that he was a different person now. I used to go to the source all the time, and I'd see Jim there, and it's when I got a bit friendly with him because we we got our pot from the same dealer. But then he met Yogi Bhajan. The type of yoga we teach is a kundalini yoga, a yoga of awareness. And he became enamored with Yogi Bhajan. Bhajan was making a mark for himself here. He had a house in Cheviot Hills that had a garage full of Rolls Royces. Jim had an awakening spiritually that affected him in every way. He became softer, gentler, and he said, great things are happening in my life, Patricia. One day when I came in, he had a huge picture of Yogi Bhajan over his fireplace. I said, so when are you going to put your picture up there instead? <laughs> he said, I would never do a thing like that. He is a marvel. He's a great guru. I learned a lot from him. Six months later when I came in, that was his picture. <laughs> I believed that he was prevailing through me and that's what he wanted me to do. I left, never went back. Mm-hmm. 
learn to become the earthly spiritual father. I was looking into him. 
Father said, you can do anything you want to do in life as long as you're kind. And that was the law that we lived by. Try to love everyone. It has been said unto you, love everyone. Try it. You cannot. But you can be kind. Well, that ends it, sweetheart. You become part of that guardian wall that protects humanity. It's good to be home. Different places but familiar souls. This feeling grows on its own with the flow. I'm resting inside from the changes that have ruled my life. At last I found me some peace in the back of my mind. I've been gone for so long from this place I call home. I believe Pretty soon, every Sunday was such a special event. But there's none in this world that can We could tell that the people that were coming were on the path seeking to become spiritually enlightened. So we started to hire a few of them, and they started to stay, and these were people that we could trust. But through the sound of music, I can reach your mind. They were fishing for people to bring in and to make part of what it was that they were doing. And Jim insisted that. Didn't call him Jim anymore. People didn't know him. I mean, come on. Father Yod, give me a break. Yod, give me a break. you're spending all this money on rent everywhere. We could take that money and all live together. And he found the home that had been the original home of the Chandler family of the LA Times, and we moved in there.
show up, and you didn't know much about their backgrounds. People could have shown up there that were on witness protection programs or something like that, and you could just disappear into this group. Shortly after we moved in there, there was a great big piano in the front room, and musicians started to come. people that came and went. I think our numbers list goes into the hundreds. It was Andre Previn's daughter, the famous producer and composer and writer. Sky Saxon was a rock star and he had a hit song or two in the season. Girls really liked him. And Atla, who is the niece of Tom Bradley, the mayor of Los Angeles. My friend Bud Court joined, and he was really dedicated for a while there. He thought he'd found Nirvana. When I hit L.A., I ended up hanging out um, in his household where Rob Reiner and Richard Dreyfus live in Laurel Canyon. And I met this very famous rock photographer, Ron Mathelli. And that was the start of a three-year love affair that was very intense. We were engaged, and we were going to get married and have kids. Ron and I were casting for a photo shoot, and he said, um, I need Jesus, lots of Jesuses. I drove down to the source, and there's all these great-looking men in white robes with their long hair. And I said, is Jim Baker here? So how comes this man... And I just looked at him, and I just went, oh, my God. And he just gave me a big hug. He just said, welcome, welcome home. What I just saw held more for me than anything that I had and Ron would not come with me. At the time, I was shooting uh, groups like the Beast Boys, Led Zeppelin, the Rolling Stones, The Doors, Jefferson Airplane. You think I'm going to give up my career and my art and wait on tables? She had nothing. She didn't have a bank account. She had given him everything she owned. They were just odd. They were like little automatons, robotic in, in some respect, that there was somebody pulling the strings. We are the Satan, Trey Geek I'm all about everything that is considered geeky because usually those are the best stories. I started watching Doctor Who on Hulu and I've been binge watching ever since. Oh, lovely. I have seen every single episode at least once. Okay. <laughs> you get
get into all of these worlds and they paint such a beautiful picture, it'll make you laugh, it'll make you cry. It's everything that you watch television for. It was no secret that it was a cult. I was 100% yes. It's like I had jumped into a 25-foot pool and I couldn't swim. But I had jumped in. I just, I was hungering for it. It almost felt like a changeling, like somebody had come in and taken my sister and replaced her with a slightly vacant hippie. My dad and Elena had a really, really, really tough relationship, and he was a hard ass. And then, surprise, surprise, she has a wonderful, loving father who accepts her and loves her. You know, I don't feel like I had to get a graduate degree in psychology to know why the Source family was meaningful to my sister. In that era, it was common to not have a close relationship with your father. And I think many of us craved having a loving, paternal being to really see us fully for who we were. If what I have to say to you is true, you see where being in such a family benefits you. This is where the true life is. This is where the true security is. Liquidated a Victorian flat complete with antiques front to back. Fantastic stereo equipment, uh, three vehicles, all in three days. And the next night I had my new job. I was washing dishes in the Source restaurant. We went to the Department of Social Security and we all applied for names as the Aquarian family. And so I was going to be from then on, Megas, middle name B, Aquarian. Lovely Previn, her father was concerned about her being underage, and so he sent the police to pick her up on a couple of occasions. And the source family was given a warning saying, you know, you can't have minor women here. There's statutory rape laws. And the next morning, Jim decided that any woman that was under 18 who was part of the family had to get married. Sure enough, Sunflower and I ended up together. My parents weren't crazy about it. I was 16. When I came into the family, I'd come from a studio, so I had camera equipment, and it was just a natural thing for me to do to start documenting father and family. Father made me the family historian and the temple keeper. 
I just took my camera, my tape recorder, and um, went right into the inner circle. And followed him everywhere. Morning meditation, started recording morning classes. That was like really intense. Every morning it was the same thing. We would get up at four in the morning and go stand in the swimming pool uh, in ice cold water. He used to call it a spiritual boot camp. We had a whole exercise regimen that we did, including dips, pull ups, push ups on our fingertips. So we'd come back and have breakfast. We were eating raw food. We were basically, if it was cut within 15 minutes, it was okay, but otherwise the life force had drained out of it. That was followed by the sacred herb, one six-second inhalation of marijuana. This is not This is the sacred herb. Man misuses it today. Oh, man, would you wear a fan somewhere and lay in the tongue, daddy? 
<laughs> he was kind of like a combination of Lenny Bruce and Krishnamurti. Greatest act of pleasure. What motivates the whole thing? Let's get right to it. It's bawling. That is the final conclusion to any movie out there, is it not? Some ascetics on the path seek to just kill out pleasure. They will not have it. It's a game. Play it. Not by killing out pleasure, by using pleasure fearlessly. He was pursuing this idea that we were a specially chosen group of people that were destined to usher in the Aquarian age. And that the children that we were bringing into the world were the saints and sages of this new age. April 7th, 1972, I had just turned 16 and Sunflower was 28. And this being the first child of mine and the first child in the family, there had to be a lot of faith. After 22 hours labor, uh, it was getting a little intense and we were sensing that something was not right. This baby was not coming and finally, when he started to crown and the head came out, we realized that the umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck three times and he was born dead. There was no life in this child. He was stillborn. And so Father picked him up and he got down on his knees and he said, My God, he said, if you let this child live, I will never speak anything but the word of God so long as I live. And he took a deep breath and he blew it into his mouth. And within five seconds, he came to life. Father Yod stood up and reached into his pocket and he said, here's his name. So I give him the name Solomon, God of the Son. And he became a, just a perfect child. There was nothing wrong with him. Biggest miracle I've ever seen in my life. There's
there's no doubt about it for anybody that was in that room that this was a miracle. So it was one of many that I saw throughout the course of the time that I spent with Father Yod. Jupiter, solar power of the universe, solar plexus of bounty, the sun, from which it came, off the Atlantean. You can become part of that great being's brain. Through many, many ages of darkness, there were brilliant moments of spiritual genius amongst the Druids or the Native Americans or the Egyptians or the Atlanteans. Father would start reading and studying these eras of history and begin to emulate their philosophy. And we would begin dressing like Indians or Templars. They got into some very, very far out stuff. The way we ate and the way we breathed and the way we would sit and look at the sun until it would almost fry our eyes. And when we got into ceremonial magic, we just created this rent in the astral world and people saw vampires walking down the oak staircases. Those kinds of experiences were as real to me as it is real sitting here talking to you right now. It wasn't like I was thinking I was having a daydream or a fantasy. It was real. I've always been a big fan of well-made films, and especially independent films. We're pretty discerning on what we watch. Certainly we do watch a lot of Criterion movies. It's a place that I can trust that they have good taste, find those hidden gems that you never even heard of. It's a very wide variety. Yeah. Like old silent movies. Some more obscure films. Oh, and um, martial arts and samurai movies. I've actually got a backlog of Criterion movies on Hulu because there's just so many that I haven't seen, but there's only so many hours a day. <laughs> until our eyes would get blurry and then we'd close our eyes and we'd be staring at the moon inside of us. And then we would suddenly drop into what he called the halls of Amanti. And the halls of Amanti was this, like, I think, fictional, mystical place that was down in the center of the earth. Well... I never went to the halls of Amanti. And people, not only would they go in there, but like this one guy, Abraham, he would, he would fall down on the ground and he'd be just going like, a, he'd be flapping around like a fish. This stuff really started to seem crazy to me. And I felt like maybe people are just going, 
fully crazy here. If you can imagine going on the highest roller coaster you've ever been on and going as fast as humanly possible, that's what life and the family felt like. And changes happen so fast, and if you weren't there, you didn't know what was going on. came home and announced that he was going to have more than one woman, more than one wife. He asked me what I thought, and I said, I think you're a dirty old man on a lust trip. That's what I think. Sixth commandment, a man and his woman are one. Let nothing separate them. Oh, he's so blue, that commandment. One day, Father Yoach said, well, would you want to come and live with me? And I just looked at him and I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just short of 17 at that point. So his 13 women, we were different ages. We all had a different role. I became one of Yehovah's women when I went through the pain of losing sunflower to Aquariana. That was really difficult for me because she was my best friend. I had a, a little bit of a loyalty to Robin. So it felt like betrayal on my part to be with him. But, I mean, you just can't say no to him. He would teach us how to have sex and enjoy our bodies. And it was incredible. He taught me a lot. And we were all very comfortable giving the other one their space. If I was making love to him... It was basically, you know, we called it dynamism, it's tantra, it's a sexual practice. I didn't even know anybody else was in there. But there was never, I have to be alone or you have to leave the room. He would be with these young girls. And to me, at my age then, I mean, I knew better that you don't try to seduce a child. Because it was obvious that these were these were children, at least compared to me as a 30-year-old, and he's a 50-year-old, and so I began to lose respect for him. Jim Baker had an MO of leaving a person when it served its purpose. He had a wife and child in Ohio that he just walked out on, and then he was remarried, and they had three children, and he left. He treated me like I was the queen of heaven and earth. And then he just, in one afternoon, 
just strip that away from me. He might as well have skinned me alive. We took a commitment of marriage, and in that commitment, we did not agree to cheat on each other. We did not agree to commit polygamy. We did not agree for him to have sex with underaged women. We did not agree for him to impregnate other women. She was madly in love with him and she adored him. So, of course, when, you know, he has more women, and especially when he's showing a favorite, which he did with me, was horrific for her. I was Makushla in the Source family, and I was Yehoah's mother angel. Even though he was twice my age, he saw me as his mother. I always felt honored to be in the role. I felt like I would do anything just to be there near him. very hard on Robin. I think it was extremely hard for her to feel secure. I think because all women know how horrible that is. When you're in love and your heart is broken. through that period in front of everybody. He walked by with his little entourage one day and I said, hey, honey, and he says, you're not allowed to call me honey anymore. I have 13 wives now. So the one man, one woman law changed. And of course, for the people that were legally married or had children, you know, this is quite a challenge. Some people threatened to leave the family. Some people did leave the family. It was getting very, very strange there. The teachings on health were, in many cases, I think, very progressive and, and very advanced. Some of them I thought were really irresponsible. For example, we completely abdicated the right to use medicine for any reason whatsoever. I had a young boy, and he developed a very, very serious ear infection, and he was running an extraordinarily high fever, like 104 and I really wanted to get him antibiotics. I was scared shitless that my kid was going to die. And they're chanting and they're, they're shining blue light and green lights onto him. And there was so much peer pressure. I knew I had to get the hell out of there. And so I just 
I just left. I had the feeling that he was starting to really go crazy. It seemed like anything could happen. over on the other street a couple of years earlier. The neighbors put so much pressure on the owner that she ultimately buckled and sold it to a very wealthy Mexican physician, and we had to move. people living in a three-bedroom, three-bath house. That was an extreme situation for everyone, because now we were going to have to give up even more. We wanted to make us tighter. care of what needed to be done. Putting 150 what we call cubby holes up in somebody's house and they would just like bump. and took all the band members out and we went and bought equipment. We had the latest and the best. The studio was a two-car garage and we built a sound room and it was soundproof and we could play to the wall. The whole creative energy was really inspiring for everyone, including Yahoo. It was a different kind of music making than anything I had ever experienced. We'd start off with something that would be going along, and Octavius would be playing, 
familiar beats, and all of a sudden, Father would come in with bam, 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 offbeat, you know, everywhere, whatever he pleased, yelling and screaming, and that, of course, would take it, it would break down the concept of everything that you ever thought music should be, and it would take it to a place where you were left out there on the edge of the cliff. And every morning after meditation, we would go into the recording studio. We recorded over 65 albums spontaneously. These were some of the most rare and coveted albums for American collectors of psychedelia. Penetration sounds like a ritual in progress, and it's like, what is this? Is it black magic? Is it white magic? There was no concern for commercial success. And the freedom and that spirit, I think, is what sings to people. It was an embrace of God and rock and roll. And you can hear it and you can see it. And when you come into contact with the resonant vibration of that, you start to understand like that it's way heavier, way more complicated, way richer, and it continues to resonate. Jim and I out to the record labels, and we were denied at every label, hence the next generation, the high schools. We heard that this was the high school with the consciousness. That's the fact of it. <laughs> My sons go out and they look around, pick up on the vibrations and say, Father, our sound can be heard at that school. I know it. Yeah. We number about 140. Give or take a few. And we're looking around for 4,000. Just like you. Yeah. Yeah. You believe in reincarnation, don't you? You will come again, won't you? Oh, yeah, you've always been here. Yeah, I'm the father you all wanted. Never thought you had, but you do have. A lot of those shows... People came and wanted to know after the show what's going on. I said, you want to know what's going on? Come to the morning meditation. And of course, a lot of them did. It was kind of Father's way of reaching out, just you know, to reach the people that were seeking.
This is a very tight family, man. I mean, it is a tight family. <laughs> I absolutely need you. You absolutely need me. What would I do without you? <laughs> you realize how alone I see in the world, man? You know what I see? Man, the loony thing. <laughs> It wasn't all peace and love. There were things that were happening that were a little off and things that were against what I thought it should be. It was all presented as if the women could choose to be with whoever they wanted. But in reality, it kind of wasn't exactly like that. Orbit and I were together at that time. I remember one time Isis came down. She says, Yeah, I want to talk to you right now. I want to see you immediately. And Rucker was there. And I came up to Yeho and he said, I want you to do something. And I said, What's that? He says, I want you to be with Mercury. I was with Mercury from then on until further direction was given. Father became interested in sexual magic from the teachings of the Order of the Golden Dawn, which was an occult society interested in channeling sexual energy for magical purposes. Well, that's what everybody wants to know about, and they say, "Wow, you you know what happened back then? You had you had two wives. Oh my God, you must have been." screwing your head off and, you know, doing all these fantastic orgies and stuff. No, it wasn't that at all. The sex magic was to raise her consciousness. It was definitely not about lust. So this was not something to be taken lightly. This was like taking the heaviest of everything. This was the heaviest. It was not revealed to anybody. For a number of people, that was where the line got drawn and where people began to think this has gone to the dark side and we're leaving. That ceremony kept us bound at a very molecular level. 
and you, you had to participate in that. I finally got the strength and the courage to leave. And then I got pregnant with Ta. After I gave birth to this child, I thought that possibly he would come to his senses. And then they started calling him God. Father Yu ended up changing his name to Yahuwah, which he said was the name of God. He did think he was God. We thought he was God, and he was God. I am here now to show you the way. I am the light. I am the way. I am the sun of the Father, and the Son is like the Father, and inherits all that the Father has. Here, my Son, I pass it on to you. You know, when you're living in Los Angeles and you're a big guy with white hair and a following of women and driving a Rolls Royce, a lot of eyes are on you. We were oppressed in Los Angeles. The building department hated us. City Hall hated us. We were hounded by building inspectors, health inspectors, child services. Let's go! Let's go! There was a definite sense of unease. It sounds a, a, a little strange when I say this now, but we really thought Armageddon was coming. We are now warned that in the year 1975, maybe six, there will be a nuclear war between three mighty nations. We sold our business, which was making tons of money, and um, we just packed up and, and left. Father envisioned our whole lifestyle blossoming into healing centers, schools, farms. We came thinking that we were going to have this wonderful health spa on this beautiful acres in Kauai. People were going to come from the mainland for retreat. 
we got there, it was hell. We were not wanted on Kauai. Kauai had a feeling toward us that seemed to instill more and more paranoia in us. People on Kauai were already a bit gun-shy, you might say, of the encroachment of spiritual communes. There was Taylor Camp, and then there was the Krishna Camp, and there were a lot of hippies on welfare. When we arrived on Kauai, we were tailed by the police, which was an intimidation tactic. No one in Kauai would hire someone from the source. I mean, they misspent the money, too. They bought a big boat for fishing, and they bought an airplane to spot the fish. Someone wrote a letter to the newspaper and said, who are these Manson family-type people? And Father called the newspaper and said, I want to give you an interview. He said, we are not a Manson family. Within 24 hours, they were uh, shooting bullets through the house. The hall had the sun stationed at a guard post at the end of the land. 30, 30 to 45 in both directions. Justice is always there in the center with the machine gun. If the beast attacks your brother, what are you going to do? how successful that was. I was an armed guard with two weapons in the dark with no lights and I didn't even know the weapons so I would have probably shot myself if I had to try to defend this. Nobody's going to get hurt even if they get hurt. I mean, somebody gets killed it's just release. That was exactly why I avoided the Vietnam draft. It was, you know, for me it was like, what's going on here? was out of control like a runaway train. What we had envisioned and what became of that vision was like crossing the Grand Canyon. All these men, they get to a certain point of power and they have such responsibility. They don't have the strength to carry it through and it starts crumbling. Or, you know, Jim Jones gives everybody Kool-Aid. He did start questioning, well, what do we do now? It kind of came to a point where we weren't moving forward as a family. Yeah, I've come a long way. And I'm not to stay. He was tired. You know, if you went in to sleep in his room, there wasn't sex. It was it was all spiritual. The meditations during that summer were really intense. 
Yehoah went for long periods of just silence. And he would just, he'd be like this. And then he'd come out of it and he'd be like, I've taught you everything. There's nothing else to teach you. He was like, okay, little birdies, fly out of the nest. And so one morning they had arranged a special morning meditation which included a large bowl of magic mushrooms with source dressing, of course, on it. My sister Tina and I, we would watch a lot of TV together when we were younger. It was something that we always shared. I was reintroduced to Dr. Masan with Hulu. I think it was on shows recommended for you. I saw that it was on there and I was like, what? <laughs> I just always remember Joseph Gordon Levitt with his long hair. He was always so cute. He just had like the perfect little face. And I just this is my sister. Do you know what's on Hulu? She's in Ohio, but we could still watch it together. I had like the day off from work and I watched the first season all the way through. <laughs> After beginning to feel the effects, Father suggested that we go up and take a little walk outside in nature. He started to speak and he said, I'm not God. I'm not God. I'm just a man. I am God here. There must be a Father behind me. He's the one that has the power. But I seem to be without power to move anything or do anything. I am completely dependent upon the God of all to take care of me. And Makusha said, shh, shh, don't say that. You're God, you're God. And he says, no, I'm not. I'm a man. I'm a man like any other man. And it changed my relationship to him that day, and I know it changed his relationship to himself and to the whole phenomenon of the family. I realized that any relationship with the teacher should be temporary. Yet, at the end of it all, we are our own teacher, and we are responsible for our own evolution. The next chapter for me involved going out on my own. That's what I did. August 25th, 1975. The morning meditation started out like normal, and I was wearing a black dress. And I didn't usually wear black dresses. I wore a lot of white. You're appropriately dressed in black, Makusha. <laughs> and I screamed. I screamed because there was just, it just felt like there was an air. It felt like something had come over him. <laughs> this is only natural. Well, this is a returning to the home of the first golden age. So let's go flying. How about dream? 
He said that he was going to go hang gliding. He was going to jump off of Macapu Cliffs, and Mercury was going to launch him off. The idea feels to me going up without any lesson. And all the women started screaming and yelling, no, Yehoah, and yet everyone knew that what Yehoah wanted to do, that he was going to do it. There was someone coming up the driveway as we were leaving to go to Makapu Cliffs, and Yehoah rolled down his window and said to her, which means, we who are about to die salute you. And the wind was incredibly, incredibly powerful. You know, I was telling Yehoah not to go. launched him off, and as soon as Jehoah went off the cliff, this ferocious wind that had been blowing so incredibly strong, it was like someone went, cut, and the wind just stopped.
Yehoah asked if he should go to the hospital. And I told him that he could, but if he did, it would be against his beliefs. So he decided not to go. So, time had passed. It was the afternoon. I guess it was around five in the afternoon, and Yehoah was lying on the floor. I was looking at Yehoah's eyes, and he was looking into mine, and then it seemed like all time stood still. And I said, Yehoah? He had in that moment passed. We believed then that when someone dies, to leave the body in a natural state so that the soul can view its river of life to prepare itself for its next step. So that's what we did for him. Almost my whole adventure with the family was done through the lens of the camera, including his death. I witnessed him leaving the body through the lens of the camera. (laughs) Which is pretty weird. (laughs) But I just, that was my role. The carpet death is unknown as the autopsy. There's no broken bones, there's no internal hemorrhages, nothing. Because if Kundalini was, you know, it was released and it left the body spiritually. It was just the time for him to leave the body. And so that was what happened. The local newspaper said that the source leader, Yehoah, had died in a hang gliding accident. And next to that article, there was an article that there was a new star in the sky. And Yehoah related very much to the cosmic event. And we thought that was a beautiful thing. I am Trey Geeky. I'm all about everything that is considered geeky because usually those are the best stories. I started watching Doctor Who on Who, and I've been binge-watching ever since. Oh, lovely. I have seen every single episode at least once. Okay. <laughs> you get into all of these worlds, and they paint such a beautiful picture. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. It's everything that you watch television for. I thought we would always be together. I never thought I would cut my hair or cut my beard. 
I thought I'd be a vegetarian for the rest of my life. And within two years, the family all went their separate ways. Once father was dead and the family was dispersed, it felt to me like everything that I had embraced as an ideal was now stupid. The people who once loved and admired us now thought we were fools. Welcome to the Natural Causes Restaurant. I'm Jason, and this is my old lady, Sunset. She's really far out. Oh, welcome to our space. It is no accident that you have stumbled upon our door. Uh, what are you signs? Oh, uh, Gemini, Gemini and Pisces. You're uh, at the right table. It's perfect. Perfect for your energy. Right. Okay, Gemini for Pisces. No, no, it's the other way around. Oh, I knew it. We could no longer be the wide-eyed, innocent hippies that we had been in 1971. This was an ugly world, and everyone did what they had to do to survive. I have all the photo albums and uh, the diaries. The legacy is all documented. You know, he still talks to me and he says, I haven't released you from your duties yet. My destiny, basically, as a family historian, has been to save the legacy. I organized family gatherings. He's still saying, you know, you're not, you're not done yet. You know, you're, you're still, we are still doing the work. So I'm currently living in Hawaii. I've bought uh, 10 acres adjacent to other source family members. I now have a completely green house built out of recycled materials. I am off the grid, uh, solar powered electrical system. And one of the greatest joys is that my son Solomon, who was the first born in the source family, has land adjacent to me, 27 acres adjacent to me. And he's also helping, working, doing the same thing. My name is Celeste. My family name was Ta Aquarius. I'm the daughter of Jim Baker, Yahoah, and Robin Baker, Aum. I don't think it was a very positive time for my mother. I think it took her years to get over 
the family. I don't think she ever has. I think it was, I think it broke her in ways that are unimaginable to me. You know, she struggled to make ends meet. My mother really did try to support us, and she worked a lot of jobs. It was just a dark time. I got sick. I've inherited a horrible illness, a number of them. I am currently on this many drugs on a daily basis. So you walk a mile in my box and you just can't possibly understand what this is like. I don't choose to live in a city or in tenuous places. Survival through the coming years may be challenging. I have a well where I can pump my own water without electricity. I have two years worth of food squirreled away. I'm not telling you where. We are going to be in communication with great races of wisdom and technology and we haven't been ready for that for years i just didn't tell people about it you know i was able to step from one world completely into another one and people ask me, oh, where have you been? Oh, I lived in Hawaii. I don't think anybody has a right to judge me. I don't regret any of it. Yehovah taught us to live in the moment and to keep changing. Well, all these words I say must be my One of the things that Father often said was, heaven is here and now. It's up to you to create it in your life right now. We had all these amazing experiences that I wouldn't trade the world for. Would I do it again? No way. I don't even like having somebody spend the night at my house. I'm not interested Much less in living in my bathroom with 40 people. I like my own toothbrush. It's a big part of my life. It, it made me a lot of who I am today. It gave me the courage to try to do things that normal people don't try to do. I really got that that one trait from Jim Baker was to be fearless. Don't regret what you have left There's so many things that have stayed with me from the Source family. The way I run my business today is basically the way Jim Baker trained me back in 1970-71. I feel like I gained from all of it. I don't think I would do it again.
but I wouldn't have it have been any different from how it was. After being with Yahaz, it seemed like an impossible thing to have a relationship with anybody. I feel like still to this day, I work with not giving my power away to another. For me, it really gave me stability in a time that was tough for my, my family. And I really feel that it's only made me better today. No one's writing the script for you. You write it. You write it for yourself. And you can write yourself in as a victim or as a hero. You can blame other people. But, you know, you're doing it all, all the time. You can do it unconsciously or you can do it consciously. God just loves you. That's all. It makes everything possible. All right. <laughs> that was the Source Family. Uh, documentary that came out in 2013. The last guy, by the way, was saying all that wonderful psychobabble. <laughs> is uh, dressed up as a druid uh, doing all his little chants in front of waterfalls. So, anyways, um, of course, if you want to see more detail about that and, and see the, the more details, you can go to watch the video at Hula or Hulu. Is that what it is? Hulu.com, H-U-L-U.com. And I think what I'll do is I'll, we'll come back and start, I'll end this, restart part two, and we'll do the revisiting of Father and the Source family. Maybe. Maybe you should look into it a little bit more. But I find this fascinating. The video, of course, probably required as well, but hopefully you got the gist of it. A man, a very charismatic man, a charismatic man, uh, a man of, uh, a very big ego, and obviously someone that uh, figured out a way to exploit the vulnerable. And if you hadn't if you noticed, but a lot of those folks were uh, teenagers, uh, teenage girls from broken families, uh, teenage boys. Um, and, you know, uh, it's funny how they use this, this new age stuff. Yeah, nutrition and health and all that you see all the time in the on the on the internet and uh, and it seems so logical and of course it is logical to eat healthy food and it's actually even more of a reflection of how corrupted the society is as a whole um, 
that we don't have enough healthy food. And of course, using that uh, as a platform to go on and jump off into their spirituality. If you get a chance to look at anything of the, you know, go online to the Source family, you'll see all many of these New Age occult symbols that maybe you'll see on a dollar bill or. Um, yeah, like I mentioned, this guy was connected with Manly P. Hall and uh, other New Agers and uh, also Eastern Mystics and clearly was influenced by the Illuminati, um, whether he knew it or not, whether he was uh, clued into that or not. Um I see the New Age movement uh, that was uh, clearly an experiment, a experiment of the New Age movement to see how far it could go, what to take it in, what direction. And, of course, it, like all other movements like this, it faltered and failed. Now, why this one faltered and failed and like something like Mormonism uh was propped up uh, and allowed to flourish. Well, obviously there is a necessity for it to do that and then to uh, go settle the West and to do that which no one else wanted to do. And I can reassure you that this same organization called, or this organization called the Source Family put in the same position and propped it up by whomever, the Jesuits or whoever it may be, to sell a desolate area, an area of violence, um, they, they would have done the same thing. I mean, you already heard it uh, as they were being, while they were in uh, the island of Hawaii there, the Hawaiian island, that uh, they had, uh, <laughs> yeah, they got some guns, right? This, this, this uh, uh, organization, this religion of peace and love, uh, had guns. But fortunately for all the rest of them, he ended up dying, the leader, uh, Yod, and uh, Jim Baker, James Baker. So I don't know if they, those rest of them realize. Uh, how fortunate they were that the guy actually died. <laughs> but anyways, interesting how a, a cult starts. Got to have a charismatic leader. Another element in all that too is uh, it seems also uh, got to have a lot of young women that blindly follow this cult leader, and then it then attracts other men. Uh, Men that also use that this cult leader as their father figure, but us maybe an opportunity of meeting in a pretty young glass and hooking up with her, right? So fascinating. You look at Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and all that, and how that was the case. Uh, and um, yeah. Anyways, and I also believe that. Someone that I actually went to high school, I got to look into more. A friend of mine told me, and I actually inter, 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 interacted with her a little bit on Facebook, but I can't remember now. And I, it was a few years ago. Um, 
she's involved with the, uh, the family. And if I'm not mistaken, she actually wrote a book about him. I have to look into it. So somebody actually went to school with us, so, so I have a connection to all of it somehow. Um, yeah. Anyways, the source family. Another example of the many, many, many cults in this land of cults that we live in. So I think I end it now. And uh, we'll listen more. To, I will listen more to the uh, other one. Um, and we'll go from there. So, alrighty. A lot of fun talking to yourself. All right. All right. All right. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.